may be seated today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 5. Ecclesiastes, believe it or not, that is actually a book in the Bible. Ecclesiastes, yes. Now, I don't know if you're like me. In fact, let me just quick show of hands. How many of you here today, you deal with allergies a lot or from time to time? Hold, hold it up really high, okay? If you're like me, uh, if I'm not careful in keeping an eye on my allergies, it starts bringing sickness into my life. It, it kind of starts off with, you know, just maybe a little bit of congestion, a little bit of a, maybe a headache, and, and then it kind of becomes a little bit of a cough that happens kind of sporadically, and then all of a sudden, I'm going to bed at night, and I'm dealing with drainage, and I'm coughing all night long. Y'all, y'all ever deal with that? And, and what's really interesting is typically how long it takes me to actually recognize, hey, my allergies are jacking up. You know, it, it, it just like it kind of sneaks up on me, because there are actually some things that we can do when we're dealing with allergies that are essential functions, adjustments that we can make that really just help us to change the situation that we're dealing with. There's, there's a part that you actually play in that. And, you know, I can take an allergy medicine. You can use a neti pot. Y'all ever done that? The neti pot, it's that where you pour water in one nostril, it goes up through your sinus cavity and it comes out the other side. Go home and try it. It's life-changing. It is a spiritual experience, I promise you. I could turn on a humidifier in the room because sometimes it's just I'm getting a little bit dried out. I can get the proper amounts of sleep. And all of these things are actually vital. They're, they're important. They're, they're things that will actually help change my health. And, and a lot of times in our walk of faith, there are things that are vital. There are things that are essential. The fruit of the abundant life that God actually has for us. In fact, the Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 5 helps us understand what that fruit actually should be in the life of a believer. Just so you know, as a child of God, every fruit of the Spirit already resides in you. Sometimes it's just in a seed form and it's not actually coming out in fruit yet, but it resides in you. So here's how Paul writes it in Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit, talking about the evidence in our lives, that, that God's working in our lives and changing our lives, which I want to say real quick, if it's not happening in your life, just so you know, God is not mad at you. He's not, he's not mad at you when you're unloving or when you're not lacking joy. Now, he wants you to have it because it's the abundant life he has for you, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. Christians should be the most loving people in the world. Okay, y'all, you have to do a little bit better than that. Christians should be the most loving people in the world because the love of God has been uh, saturated into our heart. It literally has to flow out of our lives. So it's love. It's joy. We should be joyful all the time. Some, we should smile a lot more, right? We should have peace, forbearance. I actually like the word patience a little bit better because, man, that's the thing that some of us can struggle with. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Paul is helping us understand that that resides inside of us. And because we're followers of Jesus Christ, those things should be flowing out of us. Those things are vital. They show us how to act or behave. And so when our acting or behaving is contrary to there, we can make an adjustment and go, you know what? I can actually be filled with joy because I know the fruit of the Spirit lies in me. We can actually adjust that. We, we know those things that are, we begin to understand those things that are vital to our relationship with God. In fact, Jesus said this in Mark chapter 16. He said this, 
these signs shall follow them that believe. And he starts to list some things. And I don't think Jesus was trying to create an exhaustive list. He was just trying to help us understand things that are vital again, things that are the fruit of our lives. These things would follow the lives of believers. He was helping us to recognize that there are some behaviors in our life that are important for us to walk in the fullness of God, what God has for us. These behaviors help us to recognize and understand when we are believing right. Because even as believers, followers of Jesus Christ, we can have janky believing. We can be messed up in our believing. And like, for instance, when we talk about entering into God's rest, uh, in fact, it's one of the only places in the Bible that talks about us laboring. And, and it sometimes is a labor to enter into God's rest because you've got so many things going on around you that we are to labor into God's rest because if we don't, we become worried, anxious, and afraid. Those are not spiritual gifts. They're not. Sometimes we're concerned as Christians, but sometimes it's just worry. And all of a sudden, we start dealing with depression. We're, we're feeling the weight and the heaviness of some oppression, and it's a sign, our, our vitals, that we really don't fully trust God with our lives. And again, God's not sitting up in heaven going, oh, I told you, just don't even talk to me. Come back in a couple of weeks. No, he's helping us understand, look, it's time to make an adjustment. So I, I want to look at this this morning at this book in the book, at this verse in the book of Ecclesiastes, and I'm not sure, you know, what what you think about when you hear the, the, the book Ecclesiastes, but every time that I'm reading through the Bible in a year, when I see the book of Ecclesiastes coming up, I start dreading it. Because if there is anyone in the Bible who probably needed to be on Prozac to help deal with their depression, it was Solomon, the writer of Ecclesiastes, especially when he gives his current take on life that everything is meaningless, meaningless, right? Like any of us really need to hear that. And, and he seems in this book to kind of move in and out of these philosophical discussions of life. You know who Solomon was, the wisest man that ever lived. So he's, he's a brainiac. I mean, he's moving out of these, these amazing philosophical discussions to these practical proverbs of truth. And he connects us with a lot of things as you read through there. And he connects us with the role of God in this human experience we call life. And he connects us to our role as we walk through life. And in these chapters, he's almost has this sense that he's coming, as he's coming to the end of this book, that he's trying to download a bunch of these truths. And he gives us, again, these abstract principles that you sometimes have to think about because it doesn't fully make sense for us the way that we think. And he's teaching you and I actually how to read the signs of life. That there are signs in your life that are helping you understand when you're on the path of life and when you're not on the path of life. And understanding the signs of life are important. They're, they're, they're vital. In fact, just like me with my allergies, too often as followers of Jesus Christ, we are off the beaten path and we've got all of this junk showing up in our lives and we keep pointing at somebody else or a circumstance or a situation saying, hey, that's causing this. This is making me do this when we don't recognize. We've simply stepped off the path of life. I, I love the, the quote that Eleanor Roosevelt said that no one can hurt you without your consent. And when we start understanding the proactive nature that God put inside of us, we now can look at the signs of life. And when we, when we have some, some flashing lights of caution, 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 we can make an adjustment. We can, we can get, get, begin to understand some things because sometimes we talk as in spirituality, about spirituality in a way that seems really disconnected to our life. 
It, it seems like church is this thing that we actually just do for the check mark or the, the thing that we're doing. That We do this. It, it doesn't really apply to our life. That It seems sometimes to be disconnected from our everyday life. The, the out there understanding of spiritual things don't really seem to work out in the nitty gritty of everyday life. And so in Ecclesiastes, Solomon takes us through this, this tension of truth, if you will, where two things are kind of pulling against each other of God's involvement and our involvement in life. And, and there's been a lot of discussion lately about God's involvement in the world. And, and sometimes, you know, the only time we ever equate God's involvement is when something bad happens. It was an act of God, no? It was an act of nature, mother nature, just saying. Anyway... It, it was just an act of something that took place. And, and sometimes when we look at all the crazy things that are going on in our world, because there are so much things that we're exposed to on television, it's actually overwhelming. And, and you look at all the things that are going on TV, and sometimes it is hard to wrap your mind around how many, how can all this be happening? God really is in control. Why is all this stuff happening? When people in the world, that, that what they deal with on a daily basis of, of war and bombings and mass murders of humankind, that when we look at the social unrest in this country, that sometimes political people for, for their own political agenda will pit people groups against one another, against authority. And when we see things like this happening again, it's, it, it seems really challenging for us to wrap our minds around. And, and sometimes as we're looking at these things and we see how difficult other people's lives are, we recognize that we really don't have it that bad. I mean, have you ever had that moment when you see someone else's life in disarray because of something that they did or something that someone else did, and you step back and go, you know what, I don't really have it that bad. You see some things that happen to them, and suddenly you begin to recognize, you know what, I just need to take a step back and be thankful. Because sometimes when I've had a hard day and I'm sitting in the office and someone comes in and starts talking to me about their problems, I'm like, holy smokes, I actually have it made. Y'all ever been there? So in Ecclesiastes 11, Solomon is showing us the various signs of life that you actually find throughout the Word of God. In fact, we often think of the Word of God as the rule book, the, the things that we're trying to do, and if we just do them enough, then God's going to love us, and then God's going to bless us. In, but in reality, it's a guidebook. It, it's understanding, it's giving us the understanding and teaching you and I how to walk in the life that God has for us. So all throughout the Word, God's showing us how to live. So Solomon uses these metaphors, and, and I know some of you, you kind of like it just plain Jane of, hey, this is the way it is, but some of you like to dig in and you like to try to understand some things about how to live life and, and think about the abstract way that Solomon writes. And in the middle of giving us all of these principles of life, in verse 5, he says this, in Ecclesiastes, he says this, as you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. So in the middle of all of this wisdom of how to make your life work, he says, oh, by the way, you're not ever really going to be able to understand fully how God works. He's the maker of all things, but we really can't fully understand him. In fact, it's like trying to actually understand the path of the wind. You know, I, I don't know if, if you know or have grown up around tornadoes, but I know Pastor Mark and Becky have. In fact, they're, they're Mark's mom and, and dad lost their house uh, one time. And it's amazing how the, the path of a tornado will go, how it will hit one home and, and miss another home, how it'll wipe out total neighborhoods and then devastate another neighborhood. And Solomon's saying, look, you can't understand the path of the wind. You, you can't really understand how the body is formed. 
And what he's doing is he's taking us to this place that is really the, the tension that you and I live in in, practically, in practical ways in our everyday life. It's where all of us are trying to live out our faith journey. In fact, those of us that are trying to live out our faith journey, sometimes we feel very spiritually bipolar. Because we're thinking about God's involvement in our life and we're thinking about our involvement in our life. And, and, and what we can rest in the fact is that everything is under God's control. It, it really is. That, that there's a part of us that's trying to figure it out, but everything is under God's control. And while that's part of our language, it isn't actually how we live our life. We know that God's in control, but it, it's not how we live our life. Let me give you an example. Every night, most of you probably set an alarm so that you can get up in the morning. And when the alarm goes off, you get up and you go to work and you do the best you can at work so you can keep that job. And we do certain things to make sure certain things happen in our life. And we know that God is in control, but honestly we get pretty nervous when things get out of our control. Because most of us are control freaks. Right? We want to be in charge. So we know that God's in control, but we get nervous when things get out of our control. And, and we can't always understand the mysteries of God. And sometimes it just seems like life is just sort of happening. But at the same time, we're trying to figure out how to make life happen. Does this make sense, the, the tension that we walk in? I mean, do you ever feel like you're just not sure how you're supposed to live? You're, you're not sure, of God, do I wait on you to change that person? Or God, do I step in and get involved and do I try to speak life over them? And unfortunately, when we try to speak life over to change someone, we end up speaking a little bit of non-life things in our life. So we're, we're kind of struggling at times. There's a, this test that the people from Gallup do called Strength Finders. And I don't know if you've ever uh, taken it. It's a great test for you to take. But there's two strengths in there that I think really express this the best. And one is called Activator. And it, it kind of sounds like um, one of those uh, Transformer, you know, type people, a, a superhero robot. Y'all watch the Transformer movies? Y'all have TV, right? All right. It, it's kind of like, and it's kind of obvious, really, you know, what an activator does is they activate. They, they are, activators are people who take initiative. They're proactive. And if you stand there long enough, they're going to move you right along with them. They're just movers and shakers. In fact, they don't wait for permission. They just do. They're the energizer bunny. These are the activators of life. And even though they can really come across as impatient, they actually see being impatient as something that is positive, as a, as a virtue in life. Because, man, they're just ready to move some. Some of you are nudging your part, people next to you because you're going, yeah, that's you, that's you. And then there's this one called connectedness, and the person with connectedness kind of sees everything uh, organically in the universe kind of organically connected. And even though God is moving, we're all just kind of connected to this cosmic energy, and our responsibility in life is just to kind of ebb and flow and just kind of go with things. So you never strive, you just be. You just kind of exist. You're not supposed to make something happen. You just find out what is happening and then assume that God is actually doing it. So you're just kind of like a leaf to a connectedness person, someone who's just blowing in the wind, and you just kind of go wherever the wind may take you. And there are a lot of people who live like that. Every day of their life, they live like that. And their whole philosophy of life basically is if God wills. If God wills, and you think that that would be a declaration of profound faith if God wills, but really it's just more what it means to them is, look, hey, why are you so stressed out? 
Why, why, why don't you just chill out? Listen, if God wills, it will happen. I, I have a friend who's a roofer, and he sometimes gets up on fourth and fifth story edges of the building, and he was walking, and all of his friends are freaked out all the time, and all he says is, if God wills, it's my time, it's my time. Now, I don't know if that's the way that I would choose to live life, if God wills, but that's the way he's choosing. Listen, and what they think is if God wants it to happen, it's going to happen. There isn't anything that you can do to change it. If God wants it, it's going to happen. So we got activator and connectedness, and I understand this in my life because depending on where I happen to be in life, I can either be in activator mode or I can be in connectedness. Y'all ever find that? They, they, they don't ever seem to show up together, and it seems like one actually almost eliminates the other one. And, and I think that this is what happens inside of all of us, that at some point in our lives, we're, we're just kind of struggling with this. And Solomon is dealing with this tension of truth in our life, this complex thing of God being in charge and our responsibility in it, that God is the creator of the universe. He's the maker of all things, and we can't really fully understand his mysterious ways. So we find ourselves in the midst of all of this activity that, that sometimes it appears to be the activity of God, and other times it's our own activity. And yet, somehow in the midst of all this activator connectedness life, life just seems to work. Have you recognized that? That God does some things and we stand back and go, wow, how did that happen? And other times, we're walking things out and doing things and life just seems to work. So the real question seems to be, is God the one responsible for making all this happen or are we the ones responsible for making all this happen? And the obvious answer is yes. It's both. It actually is both. That What we know is that the part that is mysterious, which, by the way, God should be mysterious. You know, if, if you could understand all the ways of God, you would ex instantly explode. Seriously, if God downloaded all he is into your brain, you'd instantly explode. And, and that, so we've got to understand that, yes, God is a mystery, and he should be a mystery. In, in fact, he's bigger than our brain. God is bigger than the way that we think. In fact, that's why he doesn't ever ask us what we think. He's bigger than our imagination. He's bigger than our belief. He's bigger than our faith. And the ways of God seem to be a mystery all the time in our life. But listen, that doesn't mean that you and I should just drift aimlessly through life. And that we should just kind of float going from one circumstance, one situation to another. That we're not, that we're not connected or understanding the signs in our life. That, hey, there's something wrong in this relationship. Hey, there's something wrong in my belief system. Hey, there's something wrong in my emotional makeup. Maybe the signs are telling me I'm not believing right. I'm missing out on some things that are really vital to my life. Because, listen, when the signs of life are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, when, when we see the blessed life on our lives, when we see the favor of God on our lives and it's overtaking us, we can recognize, listen, I must be on the right path. I must, I must be on the right path. Therefore, we want to continue walking on the path that is producing life. But when we see the absence of those things, and those things aren't showing up in our lives, we, we need to think. We need to rethink, in fact. We need to step back and say, wait, Maybe it's not all of those people out there's fault. Maybe it's not my circumstances. Maybe it's just the way that I'm thinking. 
rethinking about, God, what, what am I walking in? I know that I'm blessed and highly favored because that's who I am as a child of God. So, God, what do, what do I need to do? We need to recalibrate our lives sometimes. We need to get back to doing those things that produce life. And we've got to stop doing some things. And we've got to start doing some things that are, will begin to produce life in our lives. So that the signs of life begin to line up with the Word of God. Because again, the Word of God is a lamp to our feet. It's a light for our path. that helps us how to walk in, te- helps teach us how to walk in the abundant life that God has for us. And what happens is all of a sudden, we, we begin to understand and walk in the fullness of of God, And so, of course, the ways of God should be a mystery because that's the way it's supposed to be. But listen, God has designed you to live in such a way that part of your destiny is dependent upon you. And I know we don't really want that responsibility sometimes, but part of your destiny is dependent on you. God will not make you be blessed. He will not make you walk in the favor of God. He will not make you, have caused you the blessings to overtake you simply because you're going against what God's doing. We learn how to walk in. So God's designed you to live in such a way that you have a part. And so, again, God's given us his word so that we can understand the principles of how to follow the path of life. Things that are vital, that help us discover how to make life work. And again, it's living our lives in alignment with the word of God. Listen, that's why discipleship is so important. Because every disciple is a convert. In other words, every disciple has made a decision to be a follower of Jesus Christ. But not every convert that's given their life to Christ is actually a disciple. Because see, a disciple is someone who is aware that God has created a path of life. But they also take responsibility to walk on the path of life that God has for them. So they're looking all the time at those things that are vital. And so when in their life they're not liking the fruit or the the behaviors or the signs that their life is producing, because they realize that God's a good God who loves to do good things in the lives of their children, of his children, because they recognize who they actually are in Christ, they begin to make some adjustments in their life. They begin to discover the things that are vital to their life. So here's my closing question. What can you do with this message today to make some adjustments in your life and find the things that are vital to get yourself back on the path of life? Think about it for just a moment. Think about some areas of your life that are just off. Something's not quite right. Maybe it's, again, internal, some emotional. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's just an attitude that you're dealing with and keep struggling with a bad attitude. Listen, all we've got to learn how to do is start looking at the signs start recognizing, okay, I can do something about me. I can't change anybody else, but I can change me. And I can allow the, the fruit of the Spirit that God has put in me, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control to flow out of me. And if there's an absence of any of them, I'm going to make an adjustment because I understand those things are vital to the abundant life that God has for me.